Okay, why don't we regroup? We'll continue on here. I have no idea. Well, I think I have an idea, but the song just popped into my head. We used to sing, I used to sing it as a kid. Um, it's one of those, yeah. You remember the song, What a Mighty God We Serve? Yes, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sing it for you, nor am I really gonna ask you to sing it. You'll regret it if I do. Um, what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve, right? Right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a clapping song. Yes, and it's okay. Um, we, we serve a mighty God, right? That's one of the reasons why we pray, right? So what I'd like to do is actually take some prayer requests. What do you need the mighty God before whom angels bow? What do you need named before him this morning? Besides for the percolator, <laughs> stop once again. What's on your hearts? Healing. Aletta, were you going to offer to pray for that or were you going to um, add a prayer request for Tim and Lori? Okay, so we got a theme here. Who would like to stand up and pray for Bev's prayer request for healing and pray for Tim and Lori? We're both in hospital. We'd like to pray. Lord, I, I add my amen. I bet every person in this room knows someone who needs healing. But I will specifically name the person Bev has in mind before you now and ask that you would restore full health and life and that they would know it was you. You are a God of compassion and mercy. Would you show compassion and mercy to the loved ones and Lori, the request Bev has named, and to the people we name before you now silently. Would you be healer as you identify yourself to be as early as Exodus? I am the God who heals. We bring them before you now. Lord, there are other things that need healing. There are marriages that need healing. Would you be healer in the marriages that come to mind now? You're the God who restores what is broken. The God who blesses covenant, partners with it, and works in and among it among those who have covenanted together 
for life. Lord, would you, Lord, would you guard those promises and guard those relationships and restore what's broken? Healer is just one of the ways in which you are provider. And Lord, there are other needs that need your provision now that we name before you. There are people who need jobs. There are people who need homes. Lord, would you provide? Lord, you are not only healer and provider, you are the giver of good gifts. There are people who simply need blessings, simply need the reminder that you have your eye and attention on them, that they have not been forgotten. Would you show them? Would you give good gifts, reminders of your ongoing love and your presence? your goodness, your disposition that is for and not against. This is the God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Lord, thank you for your word. Would you open us to your word now? Such a familiar passage, yet so presents such challenges to us. It points out challenges in us. Lord, would you, we invite you by your spirit to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you grab your Bibles? We've been going through, we, we resumed John a number of weeks ago, and we've been going through the next section of John, which starts at chapter 13. We're working our way to at least um, chapter 17. Um, that's the next defined section of this book. When I was in Bible college, um, I had to take a public speaking course. Clearly, I failed. Apologies. Um, you were supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> that illustrated the very point I made, didn't it? You're supposed to laugh at that too. Um, anyway, one of the assignments was that we had to read a portion of Scripture out loud and give it sort of the tone that we thought that the author was trying to use it and the, the tone of voice that God was using in speaking to his people. And I happened to choose... Um, Revelation 3 in the church at Laodicea, because it's such an interesting passage, right, where Jesus says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I mean, you don't say that with a lot of, you know, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, right? Like, no, it, it, like there's some force behind that. But then later on, it, it's, um, he, he says, you know, I stand at the door and knock, and, and you can convey that in a way with a certain tone of voice that's like, I'm standing at the door knocking, because I care so much. Like, you can, you can convey that by tone of voice, and that's what they were trying to teach us in this thing. 
as we get into this next section of John, it's really interesting the tone of voice that you have to try and interpret Jesus using as he interacts with Philip. God was reminding me of this yesterday. I've been reading through the book of Daniel, and I'm really enjoying Daniel. I just finished it. Um, But um, instead of finishing Daniel, uh, yesterday in my, my quiet time, God said, go read Second Thessalonians. Okay. So I go read Second Thessalonians. <clears throat> and in this book, Paul is writing this letter just shortly after having visited them, <clears throat> and then shortly after writing his first letter. It's within a few, I think a few weeks or months. <clears throat> and he, he's addressing things that they've spoken about already. He's actually, in, this, in the letter, he, he outright says, I'm reminding you, you remember that we talked about this? <clears throat> Sorry about that. He's saying in this letter, do you remember what we talked about? But he has such a sort of gentle tone to it. I, one of my pet peeves is repeating myself. And so I notice that I get really triggered when I have to say the same thing to my kids a number of times because I've already said it once. Um, one should be enough, right? I know why you're laughing. You have the same thing. Okay. But, and so I, I realized that God was speaking to me about tone and specifically about tone around repeating yourself. Because they've already seen and heard, and they should have understood this by now, but Paul was so patient with these people. Hey, you remember what we were talking about? You know, we we had this whole conversation. Let me just remind you of it again. And that helped me in going back to this passage in John to figure out a, a tone of voice that Jesus might be using with Philip as they go over some things that Philip should have known by now. And it, the topic is around stuff that we've been talking about quite a bit. And yet, the, the reminder to me was continue and, and, and exert, um, make an attempt to, to take the same tone of gentleness and encouragement. Um, so help me out with that. Um, I'm going to ask the Lord for help with that as well. We're going to go to John 14. We're going to begin at verse 7. We're going to go from 7 to 14. Jesus has just said that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that triggers Philip. He hears about Jesus speaking about the Father. Jesus is going to continue saying, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And Philip, here's Philip. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father. That'll be enough. That's not a small request, right? Show us the Father. I mean, if I were um, Jesus, I would probably laugh at Philip at this point, right? That's a huge request. And so what's the tone of voice here that Jesus uses as he interacts with Philip who has seen Jesus in action for three years. Jesus says to him, so is he laughing when he says this, or is it exasperation? What's the tone that we bring to this? 
How about, I, I'm going to try a gentle one. Philip, have I been with you for so long, and yet you haven't come to know me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own, but the Father, as he remains in me, he does his work. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. Or otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Picture Philip, right? This is, this is the Philip who's been at the Sermon on the Mount. This is the Philip who watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. This is the Philip who was there when the storm was, was calmed on the sea. This is the Philip who was there at the feeding of the 5,000. I mean, he's seen it all. He was there right from the beginning. And yet, there, there's something about the way that Philip perceives the ministry of Jesus that has become a, a blockage, a barrier to him understanding. And what is that thing? Look at the text, because it, it's in the text and Jesus repeats it. Look at verses 10 and 11. Three times... As Jesus is responding to Philip, he talks about belief. Do you not believe me, Philip? Believe me, Philip, verse 11. Or believe because of the works. In other words, Jesus identifies that, where, that Philip's lack of recognition but the relationship between Jesus and the Father comes down to an issue of belief for Philip. So what's Jesus' response? He identifies that it's a belief issue. He, he notices something's gone wrong in the way that Philip perceives his person and his ministry. And so how does Jesus respond? What does he point Philip back to? Look at verses 10 and 11. You tell me, what does he point him back to? He points him back to the Father, yep. Well, that's, that's the issue that Philip's wrestling with, right? Is the relationship to the Father. And so what does Philip need to believe? The words Jesus has spoken, right? And, and the works Jesus has done. Very good. Jesus says, Philip, Philip, ah, oh, my dear brother, Philip, Philip. The words, remember the words. 
Go back to the words that I've spoken. Those weren't simply my words. The Lord has been speaking. The Father has been speaking through me, Philip. You've, you've heard the Father as I've been speaking. And he says, Phil, Phil, what have we done? What have I done? Lazarus, feeding the 5,000, healing of the, the, the leper, the blind man and all that. Phil, that wasn't me. It was, it, the, the words weren't me and the works weren't me. It was, it was who? It was the father. It was the father, Philip. Philip missed the point. Remember, we talked about signs point. We've said that once or twice. Signs point. What do the signs point to? What's Jesus saying? The, the signs point to, the signs point to the Father. Philip, you saw me, but you didn't see what was the sign that was, it was actually pointing back to the Father. You heard the words, but the words weren't mine. What you were hearing was the Father. And, and Jesus, like, Jesus really wants Philip to get this, right? When he noticed, truly, truly, I say unto you, everything that Jesus says is important, but that's like Jesus's way of saying, this is even more important. Pay attention to these words. Truly, truly, I say unto you, the one who believes in me, so he's still addressing Philip's issue of belief, will actually do the things that you saw the Father do through me. The Father will now do those things through you. The words that you heard me speak, the Father will now speak through you. You'll do the same things that I do and greater because I'm going to go to the Father. In other words, Jesus is going to make it happen because he goes to the Father. The Father does supernatural things. It's the Father's intention that the people who follow Jesus would do supernatural things. They don't don't have the ability to do that, except that the Father will do his work through his people. And remember we said signs point? Signs point, right? It's not about the sign. It's about who it points to. And what the Father wants is more and more signs pointing to him. Because it's not about the signs. It's not about the people, Philip. It's about who it's pointing to. That that is why we will unapologetically say that there should be supernatural, miraculous signs, not because we're celebrating signs at all, but because The more signs there are, the more there are indicators to a good father who wants to do good work in and among the people who most need it. It's never about the signs. And repent if it is. But if the signs, if if you or I are to say, no, I'm not going to say that. Sometimes God edits on the fly. That's okay. 
Jesus wants to make sure that his disciples do his work. We are the body, right? The body of? Oh, man. We are the body of? Christ. We are to do the same things Jesus did because we continue his ministry here. And I, I found that as we've spoken about this, um, there seemed to be like Philip, we hit stumbling blocks. I know it's hard, right? Like Philip, there's actually a paradigm shift that's needed. And I think like Philip, there is a belief holding us back that needs to be identified. Because the the works that we have seen here and the words that we have heard here were signs pointing to a good father who wants to work in these ways among his people. And yet, for some reason, they're just things that kind of get us stuck. Because he has been doing good work. I mean, so we referenced this last week, but do you remember the AGM? And at the AGM, for those of you who were there, the, the council said, we have been praying and have come to the point where we, we have to change from a church that is open to the Lord working in supernatural ways, whether prophecy or healing or anything else like that, to being a church that would learn to foster and that and, and grow in it. And then the Lord gave someone a dream, and they come up and share that dream right after we share that. And, and the dream was of, of coming to unity, and, and Ben is in it, and, and Ben represents the leadership. And Ben, ha, ben has stake. And, and the person in the dream looked down at their plate, and they just had, and they said it this way, I had chicken. Ben, you had steak. And the Lord gave us the interpretation of that dream in the moment as we said, as it was a confirmation of what the leadership had just shared, that we need to become a place where these kinds of things are fostered. That's the stake. Chicken's good. We're not, and so, and I say that again, I, I, I remind myself, I remind us, the Christian chicken that we grew up with that didn't have any sort of openness to these kinds of supernatural things is still a good meal. Chicken's good. But God speaks Albertan and steak is better. And that was the part of the point of that dream, Right? The other part of that dream was that the person who had the chicken was in pajamas. And it's uncomfortable to be out in public in your pajamas. And God sees and knows where you're at, and he has compassion, but also blesses. Hey, you're trying to figure out this whole steak thing, and you feel a little bit out of place and uncomfortable 
but you're here and you're welcome. And if you can identify that chicken is good, but steak is better, then you're in the right place. I don't need to remind you, but I will anyway, of the testimonies, of testimony after testimony after testimony that we have had of people saying, I was healed of something. The Lord touched me in some way. We had it last week spontaneously in the moment, someone stood up and said, I had never been able to sing that song, I'm no longer a slave of fear, until this week, because I'd gone through healing prayer. And the healing prayer gave me the tools I needed to be set free from the the control of fear. We've had prophetic words confirmed. I can't tell you how many different ways that Sunday night group has seen supernatural things happen and we're not seeking the supernatural as though that is the end in itself. It is the tool to point to Jesus, that the, point to the Father, that the, the love of the Father might be displayed. So I just shared this with Wes this morning and I won't share the name. The, 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 the group, the Sunday night group, two weeks ago, heard a name. I think it was you, right? Heard, so we, get, we go up to City Hall, and that's where we start. We pray, and then we listen. And someone, someone hears the name of a person here and says, go pray over my son, gives the name. So they just come out here, and they pray for this, this individual who's, who's currently here, walking with God in the road of recovery. The next night, I go to my, my, my Monday night prayer group, and, and Jeff Gowdy says to me, how so-and-so names the same individual who'd been prayed for? I've been praying for him. Man, that's cool. I, I see that individual this morning. I say, I don't know what your last couple of weeks have been like, but I just want you to know, God specifically identified you by name that he has your recovery journey in mind and he cares so much about what you're going through. He sent people who don't even know you outside these doors to pray over you. You should have seen the tears coming down his face because he suddenly realized that he was known and loved by God in such a specific way because it was God speaking into the very journey he's going through at the moment because some people learned to listen and we said, we'll do the ministry that Jesus said we would do, not to celebrate signs, because the sign points to the love of the Father. He wasn't back here talking to me about, oh, how cool is it that someone heard God? He was celebrating the fact that he felt the Father's love in the moment. And he said, that gave me what I needed. He hugged me. He was so thrilled by the message of hope and love that came through that. That's why we say, Lord, keep doing these things. It's about changed lives. It's about pointing to the Father. By your fruit, you will know them. This passage is an invitation to join Jesus in the work that Jesus did because he still does it. 
and he uses ordinary people. But sometimes we read this passage and we, we hear um, myself or someone else sharing about this stuff and, we, and there's like this roadblock. There's like a stumbling block. It's like, uh, yeah, but. So let's pause for a moment and let's, let's ask the Lord. Close your eyes. Let's pray. If you experience that, I, I hear and it's a yeah, but. Lord, is there a paradigm shift that needs to happen, like with Philip? Or is there a belief that needs to change so that I can say yes without but? And then just invite Jesus to respond. Amen. Would you grab your Bibles, please? I want you to actually see this. We're going to step out of John for a moment. Would you go to um, Acts? Book of Acts. Chapter 8. Verses 5 to 8. Now Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. He's evangelizing, right? He's sharing the good news. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what was being said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. So what are they, what are they seeing? They're not seeing just signs. Signs point, right? They are, they're seeing and hearing the Father because they saw the signs which he was performing. For in that case, many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with one loud voice. Many who'd been paralyzed or limped on crutches were being healed. And there was so much rejoicing in that city. Now skip down to verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, get ready and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he hears the Lord, and he got ready, and he goes. And then you know this story of, of Philip beside um, the chariot, the Ethiopian eunuch. He, he hears this guy reading Isaiah. He leads him to the Lord. He baptizes him. And then what happens after that? Where does he go? When he came up out of the water, verse 39, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself at Azotus. So the, the Spirit picks him up and drops him somewhere else. And he kept on preaching the gospel to all of the cities until he came to Caesarea. Why am I telling you this? I'm sure most of you think that I'm saying, well, look at, look at John. Jesus had his conversation with Philip sorted him out, and here's the results. This is actually not the same Philip. This is not the Apostle Philip in Acts. It's not the same. This is Philip, who was one of the seven deacons that were chosen by the apostles. So the apostles... We're getting overwhelmed by the amount of work 
that had to be done. And so they said, we need to find some other people who are going to look after tables, they're going to look after widows and orphans and that kind of thing, because we've got to focus on the word and prayer. And that's all good. And they find, they find Stephen, who ends up getting stoned, but Philip was one of the other seven deacons. And he had a powerful, powerful evangelism ministry with signs and wonders pointing to the love of the Father, and he wasn't one of the special people. Right? He wasn't one of the people who'd even walked with Jesus for three years. He just recently heard about Jesus, recently heard that the apostles had been sharing good news, buys into the good news, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and goes out and starts doing the stuff that Jesus had been doing. People who don't know Jesus need people who will live this kind of life. And it's available to all of us, to all the ordinary Phillips, not the Apostle Philip, the ordinary Philip. And Philip's heart was not signs and wonders. Philip became known as Philip the Evangelist because his mission was to make sure that people heard about Jesus and the signs and wonders were the things that pointed to Jesus. May there be more pointing to Jesus among us. When we did our listening prayer time, um, or if you are feeling that, that stumbling block that you can't figure out on your own, I would highly encourage you to go for healing prayer time because it's in healing prayer that we ask the Lord, would you reveal and would you point to, you know, why is this blockage coming up? That's, that's what we do for healing prayer. Um, a lot of this hinges on hearing the Lord. So anything that you can do to grow in hearing the Lord would greatly serve you in this. Um, particularly that book that I shared with you about River Dwellers the other week. We, um, so that's the follow-up to the Soul Care course. And it, if you're interested, we actually, I have the, um, like the video curriculum for a weekend session for that, where he, he, does, he covers prophecy, he covers healing, he covers deliverance, um, a number of these different things. Um, I'd be happy to make that available to you. Uh, Renee Mares is doing uh, a few sessions for ladies, and she's inviting them out to you know, practice and grow in hearing the Lord. Sign up for that. The inquiring of the Lord is what we do every single week, specifically to grow in hearing the voice of the Lord and then follow his leading. You're also always welcome to come out with us on Sunday nights. The question is, what will your response be? Because the word requires a response. So let's pause for a moment here now and say, Lord, what should my response be?
Lord, we named people. When we started out in prayer a moment ago, people who need healing that we love. Lord, would you raise up more people who will go into those healing rooms and rooms in need of healing and point to Jesus and have lives changed? Not so we could celebrate a sign, but so that, that people feel the Father's love as they see it in action. Lord, would you raise up more people who will hear your voice and respond that people in recovery would know that you're paying attention and that you care. Lord, would you make us a people who who would dare to take you at your word that you have a ministry for your people that looks as good as your earthly ministry did and even greater. It is a humbling and astonishing thing to hear something like that. And yet, Lord, we, we come with barriers and blockages and unanswered questions that, that make us hit the pause button. And, and Lord, I pray that as we take your word, you would guide us in the proper response and be faithful with whatever you ask us to do. That we, may, that we might say yes without but. I thank you for your great compassion and the way that you interacted with Philip in such a redemptive way. I thank you for the great patience that you have shown each one of us, me more than anyone. The gentleness with which you lead us as we, as we wrestle with things that are new and feel like they're hard to step into. We trust you in the process. Lead us in the process. That more people might be blessed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, If you have or need help identifying a blockage or something else you want to work through in prayer, but maybe you go, um, I know I need a doctor, but not that doctor. Um, I can recommend other doctors. Um, So if that's a blockage or a barrier for you, um, I'd be happy to to send you on to other people who've trained us and I trust as well. Feel free to reach out in that way. Um, I think the Lord is saying that there's someone with an ankle problem. Um, So if there's someone with an ankle problem that would like prayer, happy to pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 
Go in peace, my friends. Have a great week.